Well, you know, I've been doing this series called uh, uh, The More, and it's, I took it from uh, something I read that, and it was all over the internet, the top 10 things that adults want more of. And, you know, all of them we looked at were uh, started with, what was number one? Happiness. Number two, money, and then so on and so forth. And then we got to, to some really serious things later on and stability last week. And, and this is the last one. Now, the reason I'm doing nine is because I kind of combine joy and happiness, okay? So that's why we're ending with nine today. But it, this is how God works things out. He said number, number ten is passion. Say passion. passion. Now, what are you passionate about? Look at your neighbor and tell them something you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? Or who are you passionate about? And don't just say Jesus, okay? <laughs> I already caught some of you being, oh, I'm passionate about Jesus. Maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's your, it's your mate. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's, maybe it's a pursuing education, but you're passionate about it. You know what it means to be passionate, right? I mean, you, you just, it's something deep within you. You just go after it. It's an emotion, and it's a feeling. It's a, it's a really, it's a, a true, incredible love for something that you're passionate about something. So I want to talk about passion this morning, but I want to talk about it because there's, there's more than one definition for passion. Did you know that? Most of us think passion is, oh, it's about love and it's about uh, uh, something we're pursuing. But there's another definition for passion, uh, for passion and the, it's the word suffering. Say suffering. suffering. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, when, well, the night when he was arrested and he went to the cross, you know, in the Catholic Bible, you know what it says? The heading above all of those verses, it says, The Passion of the Christ. How many of you saw the movie, The Passion? of the Christ. The passion of the Christ was the suffering of the Messiah. The suffering of the Messiah. You see, we don't, we like, and it actually kind of goes, of course, it always goes along with what the, the, whole, the word was this morning, but did you know that we are not just put here on this earth to walk through it like everything's fine and everything's good? He was just talking about it. There's some suffering that's involved if you're going to walk with Jesus. There's some suffering involved when you're going to walk with Jesus. See, all of us, we like the, uh, we like the prosperity message. We like the word of faith message. We like all these really upbeat messages. And we want to come and get our, our, we want to get our, 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 our egos built up or whatever it is when we come to church. And man, I hope he gives us an encouraging word. Here's an encouraging word I'm going to give you this morning. You're going to suffer for Christ. And you know what? I don't know what, it, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what your suffering looks like. I know what mine has looked like. I know what it's looked like for me for years. And it's pressing in through the suffering. So we're going to look, about, we're going to look at this thing about the passion of the Christ. You know, even Ron said it. One day they're saying Hosanna. The next day they're saying crucifying. It's easy. Listen, guys, it's easy. If you were to come up here. Man, I bought this for us. It's easy to wave palms, say, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. It's easy to raise your hands and worship. Oh, praise you, Jesus. But there's another kind of waving. It's W-A-I-V-I-N-G. It's not as easy to wave your rights. It's not as easy to wave and submit yourself to the, to the calling of God on your life, is it? When we have to say, I submit to you, God, and not my will but thine be done, Right? So many. So this morning, that's that's really what I want to share with you, and it's not going to take long. But turn to Matthew 16, chapter 16, verses. Uh, we'll start with verse 21. Now this takes place right after uh, Jesus had gathered his disciples together, and he said, "Who who do people say that I am?" 
And they said all sorts of names, you know, John the Baptist and all, you know. And then, then Peter spoke up and said, you're, you're Jesus Christ, you're the son of the living God. And he said, hey, you know what, my father revealed that to you. I'm, I'm cutting through these real quick. But he said, my father, you, you didn't get this from your own flesh. This came from my father. He revealed to you that I am the son of God. And so then Jesus said right after that, just a few verses later in verse 21, he says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and what? Suffer many things, the passion, from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be, from the religious people, and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I mean, who rebukes Jesus? <laughs> Peter did. He began to rebuke him, saying, because Peter was passionate, okay? Before he said, For far be it from you, Lord, that this, should, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See, our flesh is mindful of the way we want it to happen. Peter had it in his mind. This is the way this should happen. And it's not going to be the way you say, Jesus. It's not going to be the way your father says. You're not going to go to a cross. You're not going to die. We're going to take up our swords. We're going to take up our, our weapons. And we're going to defend you. And you're going to walk into your throne. You're going to walk into your castle. You're going to ride in on a white horse. And it wasn't going to happen that way. See, we have a way, in our minds, we think that our Christian life ought to play out. We have it already, already, already scheduled. We already have it programmed in our mind. This is the way we want to live our life. And this is the way that God is going to be pleased. And this is the way that we should react when somebody says something that we don't like. We have a program in our mind that, oh, this is the way we're supposed to be. Peter had it in his mind. This is the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So this morning, I want you to understand, it's not always the way we think it should be. It's not always the way we, we think it should be. God had a plan, and the, for the plan to be fulfilled, Jesus had to suffer. He had to suffer. He had to go to the cross. But that's not the way Peter wanted it to happen. See, sometimes we whine and we complain, just like Ron was speaking, just like I spoke last week. We whine and we complain about the tribulations and the trials we go through. And we, oh God, why is this? God, why me? We, we ask all the questions and we do all the whining and the crying and all the shouting and all those things. And we just read last week, when we go through those things, what are we supposed to do? Count it all joy. See, the enemy, he is loose on this earth. I've heard people say, well, I'll bind Satan. You can't bind Satan. If you could, why wouldn't Jesus can bind Satan? And he didn't. He's allowed him to roam this earth. Ooh, got quiet in here. He allowed him to roam this earth for a purpose. And so when those things do come, we have to know, what are you showing me, God? How, can I, how do I respond, God? What do you want me to do, God? Can I get a witness? Count it all joy when you go through all these trials. Because when you go through these things, guess what? You're going to develop patience, wisdom, understanding. You're going to grow and mature when those things come against you. So when they all come against you, quit shouting and whining and griping and say, I'm counting this all joy. God, you're showing me something. I'm growing through this. Amen? So Jesus, after he instituted the new covenant, this is after, he told his disciples, I want you to go with me to this, to this garden. I, I went to that garden when we went to Israel. It's a beautiful place. It? It's an incredible place. The presence of the Lord was there. I remember Diana Barrio and John. I remember Diana just overcome. And the Mount of Olives there. Overcome by the presence of God. 
as we just, and then we saw a shepherd leading his goats through there, and I thought, wow, thank you, Lord, that we got to be in that place. But that place was a battleground that night. It was a battleground. So we had the victory celebration. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus says, no, I've got to go. I've got to do battle tonight. See, some of us don't even know how to do battle anymore. But let me, let me read you what, what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark 14, verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Suffering. The suffering was beginning. He went a little further and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. You don't think there was some suffering going on there. In, in, the, in the book of Luke, it says he suffered he, when he was praying, when he was before the Lord, that the drops of blood were like sweat, was like blood was coming out of his body. He was so distressed. He was in such agony as he prayed this prayer because he knew what was about to happen. He says, Father, if there's another way, there's, if there's just one other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, but nevertheless, but not my will, Father. Not my will. Can you all say, not my will? But thine be done. Thine be done. And then he came and he found them sleeping. Oh, boy, isn't that the church sometimes today? He came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? It's always picking on Simon. Get behind me, Satan, you know, Simon. You're going you're gonna to betray me. You're going to say you don't even know me, you know. Simon, Simon, Simon. And he says, Simon. He didn't say the rest of it. He, said, he didn't say Peter and John. He said, I mean, he didn't say John or James. He said, Simon. Well, wake up, Simon. Why are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. There's a word for the church today. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And here's what he says. And this is so true for all of us. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. How many of you have ever caught yourself, I really, I believe I should do this, and by faith I'm going to do this, and your flesh says, you can't do that. What are you thinking? You're just so-and-so. You don't even have, you don't have any education. You don't, you don't have the wisdom. You don't have the knowledge to do what you think about going to, you're going to go do. Your flesh is crying out to you, stop. And the Spirit says, no, 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 no. The Spirit's willing, but sometimes the flesh is weak, he said. And again, he went away and he prayed and he spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. You ever not know what to answer Jesus? <laughs> they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed to the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go. Let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Judas is already coming for the Roman soldiers. The Lord showed me this this week. He said, sometimes passion is not just wanting to do something, but it's being willing to do something. Sometimes passion is not just wanting to do something, but it's really submitting your will to God and having 
him take over, the Holy Spirit take over to lead you to the place that he's called you to go. But there was another passion at work in Jesus. It's the other definition of passion. It's an incredible love. Say incredible love. How many of you are passionately in love? When you, when you, found, that, you found that one that was going to be your soulmate, man, you were passionately in love. Come on, give me a, come on. You better be raising your hands if you're sitting by your passionate love. Gee. If you have to think about that when you're getting a slap, maybe after church. What? Why don't you raise your hand? Passionate. Passionate. Jesus had a passionate love for you and me. Romans 5, 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was willing to suffer. If you've ever watched a video, if you've ever heard a sermon on the on the what took place from the, from the time he was arrested to the time he was laid in the tomb. The excruciating things that Jesus Christ went through just for you and just for me. You know that that was a passionate, that was a love beyond love. That was a grace beyond grace. And it says God demonstrates his love for us. See, it's one thing to say you love somebody. It's another thing to demonstrate your love. That's why you bring flowers, guys. That's why you bring the cards. That's why you go out on date nights. That's why you, you not just say I love you, but you show her you love her by picking up your dirty socks and your underwear. Can I get a witness? You demonstrate your love. You demonstrate your love. And listen, I, oh, baby, I, I love you. Well, why don't you do something around that? Oh, baby, I love you. Can you bring me another beer? And I'll, my sport, my, my show's coming on. But I love you. Oh, I love you. Right? I don't mind said beer. I, forget that one. Dilly, bring me another soda. It's one thing to say you love someone, but it's another thing to demonstrate it. Jesus demonstrated his love. See, he demonstrated his love while we were in the midst of our sin. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. And then picture Jesus on the cross going, I died for that. The worst thing you've ever done in your life. Or take the accumulation of all of your sins and look at Jesus on the cross. That's why I wanted that video shown this morning as we sang, Oh, the blood. Because it's a reminder of what he was going through, and he had you and me on his mind on the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, verse 9 says, then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, people don't even want to talk about the blood anymore. Did you know some Bible translations have taken the blood out of many of the scriptures? Most people, they don't want to sing about the blood. Listen, the blood is what keeps us. The blood is what saves us. The blood is what redeems us. The blood is what makes a way for us to get to heaven. 
The blood is one heals us. The blood is one restores us. The blood is one delivers us. Let's sing about the blood. Let's celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, every drop was for you. It was for me. Every drop. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. So what should our response to Christ's passion for us be? What should our response be? This is what I want to get to. He did that for us. He suffered for us. He died for us. He loved us so much that he did all those things. So what is our response? Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Say, I'm a child of God. And the children then heirs. Say, I'm an heir of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Say, I'm a joint heir with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him. Say, we suffer with him. Oh, man. See, we, we like to skip over those parts. Oh, I'm an heir of God. I'm a, I'm a child of the king. And I get to suffer with him. Mm. If we suffer, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For con- I consider that, listen to what Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, if you're suffering for Christ, yes, keep on suffering for him. And again, I don't know what that looks like. It may be you pressing through an illness. It may be you being uh, uh, somebody at the job making accusations against you because, oh, you're one of those holy rollers. Or maybe they, when, you, when you're out in the public and you're holding up that cross and somebody comes by and they, they slam you with some cuss words. You may, well, wow, I can't believe that. No, you say, the blood of Jesus covers me. You say, Jesus, the cross is everything to me. The way of the cross is everything to me. And we make that statement. And, we, and listen, we don't even know what suffering's like when we compare it to the sufferings of those missionaries in China, those, those Christians in China that are in the underground church or they're in prisons or in the Middle East. If they say Jesus, they cut, the, they, they cut their heads off. We don't even know what suffering's like when it comes to that. So aren't we willing at least to press through some things here on, in America when they're saying things from the political, oh, that's not politically correct. And we say, I don't care what's politically correct. I want to say what's Jesus correct. Are you going to stand up for abortion? You, what's wrong with you? Women should have their own rights if they kill their own babies. No, we stand up for the child. We stand up for the unborn. It's not anything to compare with what's coming, guys, in the name of Jesus. You mean to suffer means to go through troubles and persecutions, to feel pain. If you're going through suffering this morning, I'm not going to say, hey, I hope you quit suffering. Because he says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we're a part of him. Complete with that, Hebrews 12. So what's required of us? Therefore, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is what God has asked us to do through scripture. He said, let us lay aside Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We have a lot of runners in here, right? How many of you run in the 4K, 5K, million K? I don't know how many Ks there are. Is it easy? Is it easy? I'm going to ask you, is it easy? 
Do you feel like you suffer sometimes? Yeah. Like when you can't catch your breath? When your, your lungs are burning so bad? I go up the stairs of my house and that's why I feel like I just run a, a one, one K, you know? I know some of you are like, I go up and down these stairs at church and I'm, whew, man, I was thinking an elevator here. No, we don't want an elevator because we want you to suffer. No, actually, we're, we're interested in getting your cardio up. So we're. But he said, if you're going to run this race, then you need to lay aside some weight. I mean, if you're running a race, and I know Liz and Mario are running races, y'all don't probably wear the heaviest clothes you can find, do you? You don't probably put on your winter coat and put some lead around your ankles. No, you, you, you lay aside all that stuff. See, that's why he said, if, you, if you're going to respond to the passion that Christ has for you, he wants you to respond by running for him. He wants you to run the race. He wants you to fight the good fight of faith. Are you willing to do that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you are running the race for Jesus? How many of you are laying aside the sin that, that you know, man, this is what I really want to be doing right now? And God says, no, I want you to run. I want you to keep your eyes focused on me. Because the rest of that verse goes like this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the suffering. He despised, in, in despising the shame, the suffering that he was going through. He went through it for you and me. Listen to what it says. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who endured such hostility. There's more suffering from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He did all of that because he said there's joy out there. Amen. Say, I'm joy. He said, for the joy he said before him, I believe, I believe he had the ability on the cross to see all of mankind, the billions of people, and see them individually. That's only God can do that. He saw you, Ron, on the cross. He saw you in all the times that you failed and all the times you succeeded. And he said, that's my son. I'm dying for him. That's my joy. You're my joy. Can you, can you understand that this morning? That he said, you're my joy. I'm willing to suffer. But he said, now, now that I've gone through this, you're going to go through some things too. Just endure it. Run the race. Lay aside the sin. Those things that so easily entangle you, that trip you up. And when you do get tripped up, you get back up. You get back up. When you do sin, you ask for forgiveness. You, you repent and you get back up. And you stay in the race. You run that race. And then one of these days you'll finish your race and you'll cross over. And you want to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. That's what you do after you run a race. You rest. He says, enter into your rest. Would you stand this morning?